I said. My name is Dustin. If you are new here, really glad you guys uh, decided to show up um, and worship with us. Um, I'm on leadership team here, and tonight I get the incredible privilege of sitting under the teaching of quickly becoming one of my just favorite brothers. Um, man, that I've we've only known each other for a few months, and it's just been incredible to uh, get to know him and how the Lord's working in his life. I don't know if you've if you've been walking with the Lord uh, long at all. You know that one of the most incredible privileges is just like those people who. When you're around them, like, you just know that Jesus is real. You guys ever have those kind of people where you're just like, man, something about the way they live their life, the way they um, just have faith in hard times, uh, man, it is something in you. just uh, makes you want to obey Jesus, makes you want to have uh, faith and believe that he can do huge and mighty things. Um, and this brother tonight um, is one of those guys for me. Like I said, I've only known him for four or five months, and uh, just being around him uh, makes me love Jesus more. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray um, for him before he, he comes up. But I want to say this, too, that a lot of times in here, you'll, you know, we sometimes hear 30, 35, maybe 40-minute sermons um, sometimes. But um, what, really why, why we preach like that is because we believe that knowing the Bible verse by verse, word by word, is so crucial for you to know God, know yourself and how he's worked in your life. And then every once in a while, it's really, really good to slow down and just hear how all of this big God theology, what it looks like on boots on the ground in someone's life. That's so that we say all the time, Jesus, not a concept here. And one of the best ways to see that is to see how he has worked in someone's life. Um, so as you hear this story, I'm going to pray that your hearts um, are open and that as you hear the, the triumph and the suffering and the sin and the redemption and all the things that go into every one of us who, who follow Jesus, I pray that something would be stirred in here tonight, that we'd be quick to confess sin, and that this will be the night that, that we stop um, routine Christianity, that we decide to live on mission um, and live out our calling as followers of Christ. So um, Jordan Nichols is going to be sharing with us. Jordan, why don't you come on up? I'll pray for you, and then you can lead us tonight, brother. All right, let's pray, guys. Um, Father, thank you so much uh, for family in here. Lord, I pray that I would never uh, take for granted uh, just the incredible gifts of people that are in this room. Um, Lord, I'm so thankful that we get to sing to you, that, that we can even pray to you. All of this is grace, and it's honestly so overwhelming. Lord, thank you for Jordan. Thank you for creating him, sending him into my life, into this church's life, saving him and using him um, to do mighty, mighty things for your kingdom. So I ask now that you would prepare our hearts. Um, Lord, we are desperate for revival on our campus, uh, in our city. And so, Lord, if you so choose, let it be here. Let it start tonight um, so we might see glorious things. Um, and it's all for your glory, not so that, gosh, that we could boast or uh, make anybody think uh, that we are the good ones, but that... Uh, your name would be made high. So God, help us to do that tonight. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I think I'm on there. Is that? Okay. So first of all, like Dustin said, uh, my name's Jordan Nichols. Um, I live here in Huntington. I'm a recent um, convert or move. Uh, I had a recent move here to Huntington. I um, originally am from Boston, Massachusetts. I lived there for 14 years, so my parents were military. We moved to Dayton, Ohio uh, when I was 14, so started high school there. It's where I went to school. 
Some of you may have heard of Cedarville University. It's a small little Christian school, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's where I met Thad 10 years ago. Um, and I was able to get my undergraduate degree there. I went to pharmacy school. Um, I actually came down to Huntington to do some rotations and kind of just felt like God was calling me to, to do something more here and that he wasn't, he wasn't finished with my time. Um, but thinking about my testimony, thinking about you know, what God's done over the last 28 years of my life, you know, I'm so glad that God chooses us. It doesn't have anything to do with what we bring to the table. It's not anything that you know, he's gifted us with. It's, it's all about him. Christ's sacrifice is ultimate. Um, and that covers everything. That covers the blessings, the good things. It covers the bad things. One verse I was just thinking about with this, uh, Romans 8, 39. It's nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. There are so many things in our lives that I think we allow to hold us back to keep us from doing what he'd have for us. Just to, you know, to dive a little bit deeper, I'm going to get into some real stuff tonight, guys. Um, just so you know, I've never, I haven't shared my testimony publicly before, so this is new for me. So forgive me if I'm a little bit nervous. Um, but, you know, I, I have a pretty normal, kind of boring life. I grew up in a church home. My parents were on staff at all the churches that we've been to. Um, God and family were highly valued. I believed in God from a very young age. I accepted him when I was about seven years old. Um, I've always known he was there. But there was always something, a part of my life, that I, I knew there was something that I needed to hand over to him. There was something that kind of held me back for a long time. It, it's that thorn in the flesh. Um, and it brought me to a place where I knew I needed God. I couldn't handle it on my own. Um, for me, that thorn was same-sex attraction. And um, that's not an easy thing for me to admit or to share. Um, but again, that's something, for as long as I can remember, even as a kid, I, um, I didn't quite fit in with a lot of the other kids at school. I, I felt a disconnect. I'm not sure why that was. I know some people would point and say it was how your parents raised you. It was, you know, it's in your genes. There's um, a whole lot of, of reasons why people would say that I am the way that I am. Um, and I can remember from that age thinking Christians can't, can't struggle with this. I, Christians can't be gay. God doesn't love them. Um, I didn't see anybody around me that was struggling with that or was verbalizing it. Um, I'm the firstborn son. I have three younger siblings, two brothers and a sister. Um, with my parents being on staff at church, being the oldest, I felt like a failure, uh, an embarrassment that I was, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be accepted with that issue. Um, and that shame, it caused me to hide for many years. I mean, all throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, college, you know, I kept I kept people at arm's length. I didn't let people get to know me. I was afraid that I wouldn't be accepted. I'd be um, pushed aside. So it, it caused a lot of um, anxiety. It caused a lot of depression in my life. And really, there was a battle for two different worldviews going on there. The truth of the Word of God and the lies of sin. The world says, you know, follow your heart. You know, this is who you were made to be. You are 
you, you know, fill in the blank. I mean, it could be anything. I, but when I think about that, I think about the verse Jeremiah 17, 9. Um, that's going to come up. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I always knew that I, I believed in the word of God. I believe the design of God is good. Anything else that moves in to replace that in our lives, even the slightest thing, it can seem right in the world's eyes, it's still wrong. Um, and we live with the consequences of sin, but God promises that he'll use those things in our lives if we let him. You know, the interesting truth, you know, maybe, you know, we were, you know, we're all born with a sin nature. Um, take a look at Psalm 51, 5. Um, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Another verse, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you were dead in the, tre- in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The beautiful thing, though, is with Christ, when we encounter him, when we accept him, when he calls us, we don't stay the same. Um, you know, and we're accepted not because we have it together, but because of his sacrifice, because of what he's done. One thing that really changed, you know, that view for me um, was my time at Cedarville. Um, I, I really struggled with that. I, and people might ask, why did you go to Cedarville? Of all places, you know, if you were struggling with that, it's a conservative Christian school, um, but I can remember walking into campus, I can remember going into chapel, and I can remember just the whole campus worshiping together, God was the focus, God was the focal point, and I knew that was where he wanted me, right, right when I set foot in there, and, you know, I didn't know what that was going to look like, um, I lived on campus, so, um, Cedarville being very strict, it was, you know, same gender dorms, all guys in one, all girls in one, um, and so that was also challenging. I had never really fit in, or I felt like I didn't really fit in with other men. I, I believed that I was kind of subhuman, that if people knew um, what was going on, they, again, like I shared earlier, there'd kind of be that rejection. Um, and not necessarily because of anything people had done, but because of the lies of sin that had been placed in my mind that I allowed to kind of uh, rule over me. But the beautiful thing was God used, especially those men in that hall, he, uh, there was a lot of healing that took place. I can remember just feeling like I, I didn't bring anything to the table there. I didn't feel like I was particularly funny, intelligent, attractive, athletic. There was nothing really you know, outstanding or special about me. Um, but those guys, they always wanted me around. They always included me. They always asked me how I was doing. Um, they wanted me there. And being so close to home, I would constantly go back and forth. I was constantly staying home where I was comfortable in my own little box. But, and they didn't give up on me, which was the beautiful thing. And they just showed me what Christ-like love is, um, what loving others is. And for the first time, I really found like I had a community, like I belonged, that I could be real with people. And there were times in those years where I had kind of hit a point almost of no return. Um, there were a lot of times where I felt like taking my own life even um, in some of those college years. College is stressful. I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like um, amidst trying to perform on tests and get through classes and make it um, 
you know, I I didn't I didn't think I was gonna I was gonna make it through. I didn't know how I was gonna go on, um, but I can remember the the hope of having those brothers that community. God used that and gave me so much hope. And really, I mean that that was a huge breakthrough for me that I wasn't defined by my sin. I wasn't defined by my brokenness or my sexuality. It was I was defined solely. Um, by Christ's sacrifice and what he's done for me and who I am now in him. Um, I even think about um, just those, those, those truths that we have to hold on to as believers. We all have a sin nature, every single one of us. My sin isn't harder or bigger than yours. You know, and don't, don't come away from this praising me for sharing this and what God's done. I mean, praise God first and foremost. But no, if... You know, if my sin seems, you know, heavier or bigger, you need to examine your own heart. What, what is in your life? What is God asking you to lay down? What is he asking um, you to allow him into? Um, he needs all of us. He, he can't just work in part of us. And I think that was the biggest thing I learned um, as a young adult um, was God, God's not going to stand for second best. He's not, um, he's not going to let you kind of keep... Keep him out. I mean, if he's called you, you, you can run, but eventually you can't escape his plan. And I just think, um, I was talking to a friend the other day just about a visual picture. We were actually taking um, some compost over to Thad's house. Um, and, he, you know, it was Hilton. He comes here to church. Um, he has his wife and two twin boys. You may recognize them when you see them. I sit with them a lot. Um, but he was telling me, you know, Jordan, you know, you think about manure and compost. It's great for, for starting life. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, if you pile it up and it's all by itself, it smells terrible. It's going to burn up everything around it because there's too much heat being produced. Um, but, you know, like your story, like the sin in your life, if you just kind of heap it, push it over to the side, try to segment it, it's going to burn everything up. It's going to smell terrible. It's going to rot. Um, but it's only when... We allow God to kind of mix in all those different things in our life. We allow him to use those different things that, you know, someone looking in would say, wow, look at all that life. That could only be God. Um, there's nothing about this that makes earthly sense. Um, the world may say you're foolish, you're crazy. Um, but I, I just thought that was such a good picture. You know, the idea of when we allow all those different things, the sin, the blessings, the sacrifice of Christ all together. There's such an opportunity for growth. Um, and Dustin had asked me to share, too, just about how the church community can really be family. Um, you know, brothers like Hilton and Thad, um, they've allowed me into their families. I don't feel like I'm disconnected or I'm alone. Um, Hilton's been like a big brother to me. Um, we do a lot of different stuff. I help him with his business, doing woodworking in his backyard. We go and work on houses together. Includes me with his family. Always available to talk. Um, is an incredible mentor. Um, and God's, you know, used Thad. I, I always joke, Thad's the reason I'm in Huntington. I can remember sitting with him over at Starbucks once, and he was like, you know, you could, you could stay in Huntington after your clinicals. And I'm like, you know, I never thought about that. I thought I would just stay back in Dayton, and um, God really used him. And it kind of dawned on me, yeah, I, I kind of I like it here. I think God's calling me here. Um, but I would just say, what God's been teaching me is I'm not isolated. Um, I don't feel like I've had to 
trying to think of the best way to put it, I, um, I'm any less human. Um, I think, and there was an address, there's a gentleman, he's a pastor in England, some of you may have heard about him, his name's Sam Halberry. If not, check him out. He's on the Gospel Coalition, he does a lot of great articles. Um, but he struggles with same-sex attraction as well. And I came across a video of him where he was sharing with a lot of other church leaders um, just about you know, his struggle and the thankfulness he has. Um, he looks at Christ's example and he says, you know, Christ, he lived the ultimate human life. There was no sin in his life, um, but we're told he's the perfect example. He didn't have um, children. He wasn't married. He didn't have sex. Um, and he was able to live a fully perfect life. And that gives me hope. And I thought that was just, that was incredible because I think society always tells us you need this, you need that, you need um, to fulfill yourself in any way that just feels right. Um, but I, this verse I'll, I'll share with you here. It's Philippians 3, 7 through 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And I just, you know, I think about um, even the different types of sin that Dustin talked about a couple weeks ago. From 1 John 2, 15 and 17, the desires of the heart, desires of the eyes, pride of life, all those things. It could be anything. But that, anything that's elevated above Christ, anything that we say that we need above him, it's an idol, it's wrong, and it's sin. Um, and it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's not always perfect. I really, there are times I do struggle um, with loneliness, with depression, with temptation. Um, but knowing that I am living in God's will, that I'm being obedient to what he's called me to do, that I'm following his word, that brings the greatest joy and satisfaction um, that I could ever express. I feel more free today than I ever have. And one, one final thought I'll leave with you guys. A story from when I was able to share with my parents. I had actually never told them anything until I was 23. Um, I was able to share with them. And my mom, I think she took it pretty hard. Um, she felt like she had failed as a parent, that she had done something wrong. Um, and she shared when I was, you know, just a baby, they had just started going back to church. They were new believers. They hadn't, um, God worked in their heart, worked in people around them, and they became believers at, at that point. But I guess someone had come up to them and had pointed to me in the stroller and just said, you know, Amy, Todd, if Jordan grew up gay, would you, would you still love him? And mom told me that she felt like that was a curse that was placed on me. Um, I don't believe that. And I was able to share with her. I'm like, Mom, no, I, this is nothing that you did. It's nothing that person did. I think of the story of John 9, 1 to 3. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, I, I was able to share that with mom again today. Um, we were just talking. I was sharing with her that I'd be telling um, people my story. And 
I, um, she was excited and just getting to you know reassure her again, Mom, you know, I love you. You guys have been such great parents to me. Um, I'm grateful for the investment of um, valuing church, valuing the Lord, instructing me in God's ways. And that this isn't a curse. It's something that's been a struggle. It's been messy. It's been really dirty. Um, it's brought a lot of different trials in my life. But it's what's led me to the Lord. Um, and there's freedom in that. And I think that's, that's absolutely worth it. There's nothing... Yeah, I... I I can't imagine not having that now. Otherwise, I, I don't know where I would be. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and, you know, most of you in this room are probably not struggling the same way I am. But how can we all live differently? Where is your identity? You know, when I think about my own life, I found my identity. Um, it was in my academics. It was in music. It was in other things. I... I looked for value in, in all sorts of different places. Every place except for God. And, you know, like that Philippians verse says, when we count everything as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ, all those other things, they just pale. They, they pale in comparison. They fall away. So here's some examples just from Scripture. If you're a follower of Christ tonight, take this to heart. You're, your creator and redeemer God says you're his perfect child. Ephesians 1, 4-5. You're Jesus' holy sibling, Hebrews 2.11. One of his heirs, Galatians 4.7. You're precious and loved by him, Isaiah 43.4. You're his image bearer. You're created in God's image, Genesis 1.27. So be transformed by that. Not by what the culture says you are or things that you think you need, um, Live life now in the way that God sees you. Don't be defined by your job, by your degree, by your resume, um, by your talents, by your sin. Um, nothing other than Christ. And I, I shared this with Dustin and Adam um, last week. Um, but just even thinking about a few short years ago, if you would have asked me if I would be sharing to a large group of people, even to one person, I would have told you, you know, some word no. I would have been like, absolutely not. Um, I was just going to go to my grave, deal with life, and kind of move on. Um, I, that was not going to be in the equation. But it's amazing when God worked in me and kind of dealt with my pride that this isn't my life. It's not my story. It all belongs to the Lord. Um, you know, I'm free to obey him and do what he's asked me to do. Um, and the fear and all the worry that I have about what people think, um, it, it falls away. And I, every time I've been able to share, whether it's with Thad, Dustin, Adam, all of you, I can feel the chains of sin being broken off. And I praise the Lord for that. Um, being able to share with those Cedarville brothers that made a big impact on my life, they didn't know um, the impact that they had on me. But it was life-changing, and in a lot of ways, um, God used them to save my life. So, thank you for letting me share. Um, I hope this is an encouragement to you. Most importantly, just know that God is sufficient to meet all of our needs, whatever those may be. So, with that, I'll have Dustin come back up, and he'll have some final words for us tonight.
Dan, you can come on back up. I'm going to say a few things as you guys are, are making your way. I just can't wait to sing, if I'm being honest. I had some things I was going to say, but that uh, I covered it well. Thanks, Jordan. That was incredible. Um, I got two things. We were at 6.45. We, we gathered and prayed for this service and for you guys and for the ministry in the city here. And uh, Jana mentioned this before we started praying, or maybe we started the prayer. I can't remember. But she said that if you look back in church history and you look at all the great revivals. So when I say that revival word, I mean like this hundreds, thousands, many, many people coming uh, to know the Lord. Not, you know, not a bunch of Christians just kind of like going to different things, but people who are far from Jesus getting rescued um, by him. Whenever we see that in church history, it's always, always accompanied by people confessing sin. It's crazy. Like it's confessing sin and prayer. Um, and I, I'm so thankful um, for Jordan. I mean, not a lot of you guys would do that. <laughs> you know, it, it's vulnerable uh, up here when you're when all eyes are looking at you, and um, to be able to confess all the different ways that we have fallen short of of the glory of our Creator. It is not an easy thing. So that's my first challenge. Before we sing and celebrate the gospel, um, I love that he said that every time it feels like the chains are falling off, um, and, and some of y'all need that tonight. Um, something we're always going to hang our hat on here. We're not, we're not, we don't feel any pressure to perform on Tuesdays. We don't feel any pressure to, to kind of nail the service. We, we, we know that these are real people in these seats. You have a real story in different ways that sin and suffering has jacked you up and that the way that Jesus can heal you. Um, and that's through confession. Um, so my gosh, if you have anything holding you back that you need to confess tonight, find someone, find the person who invited you, find me. Find Jordan. I'm sure he would love to talk to you and confess these things. Um, and, and my other challenge I would be before we would sing is whenever we hear stories like this, um, I pray that your heart is just convinced all over again that Jesus is real. Like this, whenever I say Jesus in a concept, that's what I mean. Like he just did it in 22 minutes and 16 seconds better than I have in three weeks. And that's okay. Um, but when I say that, I mean real real salvation happening to the depths of who you are. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I want to go on, but we need to sing and celebrate. So let's, let's go and stand. Um, I'm going to pray for us again. And um, let's, let's sing tonight like three people. Um, and I, I got to say this too. If you are here tonight, maybe you're new or you have been coming and you do not know Jesus, and this is maybe sin, culture, these things are defining you and you feel wrapped up or chained, whatever metaphor you want to throw in there, I pray that tonight you would see that He can save you. You are not too far gone. You're not too religious. You're not too, uh, there's not enough shame to keep you from Him. He is stronger than all of it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to sing um, right after I pray. And guys, just lead us. And Lord, we're going to celebrate uh, the grace that God has shown us. Um, you're so undeserving and He's so good. So let's, let's pray. Um, Father, I ask right now that you would help us sing like people who are truly forgiven. Um, God, in these songs and in these prayers that I hope are coming up right now, that, that we would be people who are so quick to confess our sin. You've done all the work by sending your Son, His death in our place, rising again. All the work is done. You are beckoning us to just confess that we have screwed it up. 
So God, move in power tonight. Um, I know I can bank on your word that you desire all people to come to repentance. So God, as we sing, may these words just lift our hearts to you and may we leave here, leave this room tonight um, knowing that you are real. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.